interstate highway system. Known for being roads. Famous for also exits. Nobody thinks much about it. Let's have some fun. Let's find out why the interstate highway system is secretly incredibly fascinating. Welcome to a whole new podcast episode, a podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm not alone. My guests today are Katie Hannigan and Connor Listoka. Katie is an excellent stand-up comedian. Her new album, it's a 2022 album, it's titled Feeling of Emptiness. Again, that name is Katie Hannigan. She also co-hosts a very funny podcast that's with fellow comedian Sarah Tolemach. The name of it is Lady Journey. So search Feeling of Emptiness, the stand-up album, or Lady Journey, the podcast from Katie Hannigan. Connor Listoka, also a very funny podcaster. He co-hosts 372 pages We'll Never Get Back, which is a great show. They read books they do not expect will be good and talk about them. He's also a writer and producer for Rift Tracks, and I hope you know him from past episodes of this show about butter or gargoyles or bricks. Also, I've gathered all of our zip codes and used internet resources like native-land.ca to acknowledge that I recorded this on the traditional land of the Canarsie and Lenape peoples. Acknowledge Katie recorded this on the traditional land of the Lenape people. Acknowledge Connor recorded this on the traditional land of the Manahoke people. And acknowledge that in all of our locations, Native people are very much still here. That feels worth doing on each episode, and today's episode is about the interstate highway system. That's a road system in the United States that's also a patron-chosen topic. Many thanks to Diego Salazar for that suggestion, and thanks to everybody who voted for it in the polls on SIFPod.fun. This topic is an incredible window into life in the United States, and that's fun whether you live here or whether you are not here and want to know what the heck is up with us, because as we'll discuss, this is one of the few things that knits Americans together as a society. So really excited to talk about, you know, what its whole deal is and where it came from and how it works. So please sit back or readjust your posture. You know, while still keeping your hands on the wheel, it is important to do physical movement while you're doing a long drive. Just very important. Either way, here's this episode of Secretly Incredibly Fascinating with Katie Hannigan and Connor Listoka. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Connor, it is so good to have you both on. And of course, I always start by asking guests their relationship to the topic or opinion of it. Either of you can start, but how do you feel about the interstate highway system? I, I gotta say, I think I love it. I think I love it. I'm not a driver, really, but I remember one time, this is what came up for me. My dad, I remember him telling me, oh, I remember like when that was getting built when I was younger. I, about like a certain we were on a road trip or something oh. and I was like what oh that's crazy what a paradigm shift for me because in my mind it's like just something that has existed for eternity you know wow like he was he was not just talking about your local freeway he was like when the system began there I was when they were building the whole thing yeah yeah fun I, yeah. that's true that's probably true for a bunch of the audience that if they're older people they can just remember it yeah, that was that was sort of my opinion. It was just impossible to imagine life without it. <laughs> so yeah, you know, it's just there in favor of it by that default. Um, you know, probably the same way that people who were half my age can't imagine life without the internet or the cell phone type of thing. So it's yeah, it's one of those things where you probably there's probably people out there who have that misguided like idea that things were better before it, you know, cause they're like, Oh, think of all the, the quirky towns you would have gone through and stuff. But I think <laughs> for the purpose that it serves, which is, you know, getting on, getting from point A to point B, like it's, you'd be very irritated if you were having to deal with like the way it used to be. I think if you were, if yeah. it suddenly went back to it, it's the, the internet of the road, that's what they call it. As far as like where people are from and stuff, because like obviously we used it for road trips and also I grew up in the, the western suburbs of Chicago 
And so anytime we were dealing with the city of Chicago, like we could take the commuter train, but there was a lot of my dad selecting which freeway we would attempt. And it was a bit, and they all had specific person names on top of the numbers. And it was like, oh, which one are we going to do? I guess the Edens, maybe the Dan Ryan, probably the Edens. It was that kind of thing mm-hmm. all the time. I lived in Vermont for five years and it was a, uh, it makes you appreciate the interstate system because there was, there's one, <laughs> you know, there's one that pretty much takes you yeah. to, uh, you know, where you, where you would want to go that's not there. And uh, if you, if you have to then drive on the other roads that are in Vermont that take you other places, you, you, you thank, <laughs> thank your lucky stars that you got that one interstate in Vermont whenever they got it, 89. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of charming when you go on like a long, when you go through those, you know, state road like 101 and you're just kind of going through like town after town. It just feels like you're in like the set of Beetlejuice and then you're, you know, somewhere else. And it's just, ah, this is where, this is where it all happens. Murders. Yeah. Hallmark you know? movies. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Losing yes. your memory and meeting a prince type of thing. <laughs> yeah. Charming yes. is definitely the word, but like, you know, when you're, no one ever thinks that like airport travel could be more charming, you know, like you're just like, listen, I just need to get here. We all know it's but like, yes. they're not going to have like the charming flight that will take me, uh, you know, through the through the town with the waterfall in it type of thing. You're just like, <laughs> get me from California to uh, to New York as fast as you can. Oh, I love a small town. I love it. <laughs> it's romantic. You stop in for a little, you know, cafe, and you just go on your way. And nobody knows. You're just out there in the world. I always think about the time driving down from San Francisco, I think, or like even nor- farther north to San Diego, where I also used to live. There would be like a, a main, I think it was like one, 101, one of those type of things, not an interstate. But then it would just be cruising along. You know, you could go along the cliffs at some point in time. And then you got to this town called Eureka that had opted to put like three three stoplights in to just like take the pace down from 65 miles an hour to 25, you know, hoping that you would go to the, the yeah. charmless uh, brewery and cafes of Eureka and all it made me do was just resent the town to the point where I'm talking about it eight years later. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's how I know that we're opposite because I'm like, I love to slow down at a stoplight. (laughs) Pop in for a gift shop. Get a homemade goat's milk soap. Yeah, but it was like a sheets. It was like popping in for like a the Eureka MTO sandwich type of thing. Oh, that's fun. I still love that. I'm like, I got a (laughs) keychain. I also I can bring California expertise to that story because the I think the longest freeway drive I've ever done was L.A. to Seattle. Mm -hmm. And I just took Interstate 5 because that's faster. But if you take the Pacific Coast Highway, which is like Route 1, it's not an interstate. Then you get all these beautiful cliff vistas and everything. But Mm -hmm. then I was like, I'm efficient. I'm taking the interstate with the military shield. Yeah. (laughs) Road trips are underrated, I was just going to say. You know, I think like we do, you do get like when you, when you get to travel and if you're working all the time, you're like, we just fly there, we go to the beach, we pass out, you know, but road trips, I feel like are something that they're, they are underrated. And my family used to take them, you know, we'd be driving from like Indianapolis to Tampa for 18 hours. And then that's also a nightmare. You lose some of the romantic sheen on that when your mom is like screaming and we're all exhausted. But, you know, an adult road trip, can be really fun especially the pre-gps road trip where you're just pretty sure how much longer it's going to be oh yes. you're like well we have the road <laughs> atlas we just yeah. figure it's going to be this long because you know my parent says and that's how it's going I took a road trip once with a AAA triptych where you would tell it where you were going and they would print you out like a uh, plastic bound its own thing whoa what? like which is you know that's a it, it might still exist somewhere but we got one of those it was like a drive across the entire country uh custom made wow. from AAA. yeah that's really fun that's that really fun so wait it's called a triptych and they just send you a little yeah, document like, like we've planned this for yeah. you stop here enjoy I, this i think we told you it's like we're going to it was it was essentially printing out your um you know google maps directions but having them plastically bound and you know in a in a weird triple a assembled style for you it's like a it was a major perk of the service 20 years ago <laughs> oh wow that's very sweet but uh, and from here, I think we can get into some numbers about this because uh, it's a very numerical topic. On every episode, our first fascinating thing is a quick set of fascinating numbers and statistics. This week, that's in a segment called "And I Would Host Five Hundred Pods and Bonus Show Five Hundred More Just to Be the Pod That Drops One Thousand Stats and Numbers at Your Door." 
Da -da -da -da. Love Thank it. You. <laughs> Love it. You have a great voice. <laughs> you know, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, the the Glenbard South High School Theater Program thanks you for oh, uh, the yes. compliment of their training. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> and uh, that name was submitted by Johnny Davis. Thank you very much, Johnny. Have a new name for this segment every week. Please make them as silly and wacky and bad as possible. Submit to SifPod on Twitter or to SifPod at gmail.com. And I'll, you know, bust out the, the pipes from one at a Camelot. We'll do it. It's great. <laughs> uh, first number here is 1956. And kind of ties into the story you were telling, Katie, about your dad. Because 1956 is the year when the U.S. government passed the Federal Highway Act, and that created the official interstate highway system. Construction began that same year. So it's it's from, like, a lot of people's lifetimes. It's it's not a distant, distant past thing. Yeah, wild. 56, I mean, that the 50s were a crazy time. They were so innovative, but also people were terrified of nuclear holocaust. So it's a lot of good and bad. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, like it's the pop culture of it. It's like, oh, everyone was very square. And then also everything was new all of the time. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> they were like, let's build an interstate highway. And then the next day, some guy was like, and now we're going to the moon. And they're like, can we do this one thing at a time, please? That's a, it's a crazy juxtaposition. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fascinated by the 50s. I am. I'm just fascinated by the amount of technological innovation that people had in that time that was safer than, you know, the like chemical industrial revolution in the like tens and twenties where people were just like getting poisoned by their face products and spices. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Long ago did a episode about ketchup in particular, where we talked about how the biggest selling point of Heinz ketchup was that the bottle was clear and you could just see it wasn't full of like poison or metal or something it was just oh, like we brilliant. we won't kill you with this and people were like that is a great pitch i'm into it <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's actually ketchup yeah and this uh this system too it also incorporated some existing roads in the country in particular the pennsylvania turnpike was one of the biggest existing like freeways that would get incorporated in the system there's also it's the, the numbers of it are very boring, but there's specific measurements and grades that an interstate highway has to be. And so those older roads got like rebuilt into those grades over time. But it uh, is now a system over 47,000 miles long that incorporated a lot of existing highways, but mostly built new ones. Wow. I feel like I don't know. I'm not I don't really don't know that much about highways because I'm not a, really a driver. But, I, you know, every now and then I'll get a rental car and put everyone at risk on the road, you know, to... <laughs> To get to a winery or whatever, <laughs> a meeting. Because, Katie, you're based in New York City. I, I mm -hmm. am too, mm -hmm. but kept our car from North Carolina when we moved. So I, I feel like a almost not a New Yorker whenever I have a car. I'm like, oh, I don't count yet. I still drive to Wegmans and stuff. Alex, do you have one of those weird things you people put on their back of their cars in New York to like protect the bumper? I I don't, and our bumper's kind of dinged up. Maybe <laughs> I should. Yeah, every, everybody has like, it's like a black flap that you strap to your bumper and all the brand names are like some aggressive animal or like it's called like the <laughs> bumper bully. Bumper. Yeah. Warthog. There's an elephant <laughs> one. They're all like the vibe is like now my Toyota is, is ready to do combat like a bull would or something. I feel like I would go the opposite way. Like this is a baby. Yeah. Don't the, tap it. The infant kiss. Ba <laughs> yeah. Baby on board. And it's my bumper. Please help. <laughs> You just rig it so if somebody dings you, there's just like, wah. You know, there's just a little <laughs> sound <Yeah>. file. <laughs> <laughs> and and also the next number here, speaking of like road trips, like we were talking about before, next number is 3,085 miles. That's almost 4,965 kilometers. For, for non-U.S. listeners, I'm going to have kilometers whenever I can, but... Little over three thousand miles. And to confuse us, uh, I'm like, what is what does that mean? What is a kilometer? <laughs> and little over three thousand miles, or almost five thousand kilometers. That's the length of the longest single interstate in the U.S. system. Damn. Um, Popular Mechanics has a list. They say that Interstate 90, which goes east-west from Boston to Seattle, is the longest single designated route in the U.S. Wow. And how long would it take to drive that? Oh, I didn't look it up. I don't know. I bet. I mean, it's got to be in the four, three to four day range, I would think. 
You know, my actual longest trip is uh, Chicago to L.A., and we did it slow in four days. So if you blitzed four days, you could probably do this, yeah. But you have guys who do, like, the cannibal run race where they, like, keep gas in the trunk and, like, try to do it as fast as possible. That's, like, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it depends if you're going by that measure <laughs> of time or the. It's too extreme for me. I would do that at a TJ Maxx, you know. <laughs> Prepare for a bridal shower in 30 minutes, you know, something fun. But that sounds that sounds too intense for my ladylike inclinations yeah those are definitely guys with the warthog bumper the yeah yes (laughs) and there's some similar interstates the next longest is i-80 which is from teaneck new jersey to san francisco that's over 2900 miles Uh, next longest is i-40 from wilmington north carolina to barstow california barstow's outside of la Uh, So the the east-west, the biggest ones, and then the longest north-south interstate is 95, which goes from Miami to Holton, Maine. Uh, Wow. And that's almost 1,900 miles, which is over 3,000 kilometers. I'm wondering wondering whether there's rivalries between the, like, interstate fans and stuff like that. Because, you know, if that that one, that first one you mentioned, like, is so much longer than the other ones. But I wonder if other ones are trying to, like, measure up to it in other ways. Like, yeah, yours is longer, but ours is more scenic. Or, you know, yours is in worse shape than ours. Because, you know, as dumb as that sounds, there has to be people who who have pride in their local interstate or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't get on board with it, but... I, God bless them. Go for your hobby. <laughs> I do. I think there's definitely people who will have like one bad experience on one interstate one time and decide it's terrible or the reverse. Like I, I, I one time my wonderful grandfather, I was doing a trip just within the Carolinas and he printed out directions where he annotated exactly what he thought was the best or worst thing to do compared to what the computer said. Nice. It was very sweet. But you know, every everybody has these things based on like, oh, I would never touch 88 at this time of day because one time <laughs> I was in there forever and I needed to pee, you know? Yeah. It's a whole problem. <laughs> I was on the five in nineteen ninety four and there was this white Bronco driving down it. So I would stay off of there for his, you know, <laughs> do not take that road in case that ever happens again. <laughs> and also with the with all these length numbers of interstates, uh, it turns out that the big U.S. interstates, there's actually a logic to the numbers of them, like the names of them. And uh, I'm going to link a couple things about it because this is very visual and very numerical. It's hard to like encode listening to a podcast. But there's a YouTube video by CGP Gray and also a Washington, D.C. transportation planner named Dan Maloof who wrote all this up. It turns out the U.S. does specific numbering for the biggest interstates. It's a two-digit number ending in zero if it's one of the biggest east-west interstates. Like 90 is east-west, 80 is east-west, 10 is east-west. And they also number it where the one furthest north is the highest. So 90 is on top, 80 below it, 70 below it, all the way down to 10. And then the big north-south interstates are two-digit numbers ending in five. So 95 is the furthest east. And then as you go west, you get 85, 75, 65. And that includes just five. Like secretly, that name is zero five, but you don't see it. Wow! I know that's a a lot to hold in your brain. It was just all a bunch of numbers, <laughs> and I'm going to have pictures linked for that. Yeah, that's no, that's very cool. It's cool when you find out the secret codes of stuff, and then you're like, oh, I know a fact. That's you know ultimately useless, but it makes me feel better, right? <laughs> this this was a big one. We're on a big one. Yeah, with most of the numbers are a little bit random. Like the, if you have a three-digit highway number near you or a single digit, like there was some logic to that, but oftentimes it's kind of random. The big, big highways, north, south, or east, west, they did some thinking about it. They did some, hey, let's have a way you can have all these line up. This does make sense, although I feel like, you know, like in New York, we have the grid system. So you're like, oh, I know where I am. But it's like if you're in Oklahoma, like I hope that you know where you are without (laughs) knowing that you're on the 25 or the 35. Sorry, I don't know states clearly, but I can't tell them by the shape. Right. I think it's cool that they they did this whole thing. And then there's like nobody knows this. So the guy who like, you know, created this, he's like, we should make it go this way. And it seems like it's very intuitive, but like nobody knows that it's actually laid out this way. Cause you're just like familiar with whatever your local one is and you don't bother to, you know, I never realized that 95 was like the farthest right one. So I'm sure whoever came up with this is very frustrated that their, <laughs> their, uh, their master system goes unappreciated every single day. Well, 
also it is it's like are you just gonna are we just gonna have uh total anarchy we have to start from one and then we go to two and then we go to three you know <laughs> it's just that's the way it makes sense but look at look at 45 though that does that's you know that shouldn't qualify <laughs> what are we doing here that goes from two cities to each other that actually uh, yeah. off of 45 i'm gonna go to another number here the next number is four the number four not a highway name that's the number that's how many miles long 45 is <laughs> that was fun i love looking at that diagram that actually helped me figure out what the hell we're talking about i'm over here like yeah. highways we've all been on them but what are they and where are they but now right. i feel like i really learned something oh that's so good thank you yeah i i extra recommend people links at sifpod.fun you can just see these maps of the big north south the big east west uh, and but don't Connors... look at them while you're driving stop the car no pause yeah. the podcast <laughs> It's a, it's an ironic topic. Yeah, you if you're on an interstate highway, do not do what I just said. But um, and Connor just picked out of the big north south ones that end in five that are two digits. Like most of them are huge, but Interstate 45 only starts in Dallas, Texas, goes through Houston, Texas to Galveston, Texas. And even though we have this name Interstate, it's one of many interstate highways that are in just one state. And mm. don't go to other states. Mm -hmm. uh, and it even has like a big number and is only a Texas highway, Interstate yeah. 45. A mini, mini state, minter state. <laughs> trying to go for a pun there. You know, there's something. <laughs> I like the idea of the builder trying to fudge the word interstate and have people not notice <laughs> at the party. <laughs> like, yeah, I built a interstate. Uh, how's the food? How's everybody doing? Cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And that uh, that leads to this number four. Four is the number of designated interstate highways in the state of Hawaii. The state of Hawaii has four different highways that are part of the interstate highway system. Oh wow! But uh, highway does or uh, Hawaii does not have a land connection to any other parts of the United States. <laughs> I feel like that was something we talked about earlier when we were joking about the uh, why don't they make the whole plane out of the black box? That's like a that's like a C tier eighty stand up thing. Like do they have interstates in Hawaii type of thing? It's like yeah, sir, sir, they do actually. <laughs> Four of them. <laughs> How about Alaska? Are there any in Alaska? Yeah, and it turns out so Hawaii's are very official. They're built to the official interstate highway grade and everything. And then Alaska has four interstates that are funded by the system, but not totally built to that grade, partly because of the difficulty of the land and climate and everything else. Uh, and the same goes for Puerto Rico, has three freeways that are interstate highway yeah. system funded, but not as wide and not as much of a controlled access as official interstates. Yeah. So the, uh, And they also have slightly different names. The interstates in Hawaii are named... H1, H2, H3, and H201. So there's an H in front of all the names. And then Alaska has A in front of the names. Puerto Rico has PR in front of the names. little local flavor. I like it. Yeah. And also all the, all the Hawaiian ones are on the island of Oahu specifically. <laughs> so it's four interstates that all connect to each other. Yeah. I was, gonna, I was wondering about that. But they need a highway too, you know? They have to have one out there. Oahu is a huge island. It's pretty big. Yeah, and high population. It's got Honolulu and everything. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, so they're part of it, too. The, like, this will be a pretty 48 states heavy episode, but it's the whole U.S. Yes, the continental. And, oh, and speaking of the continent, next number is about 19,000 miles. 19,000 miles, that's over 30,000 kilometers. That's the length of the Pan American Highway which is a highway running from the top of Alaska to the bottom of Argentina across North and South America. Oh, I did not know about that. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah. these continents, they have one of those. There's one gap in the area of Colombia and Panama called the Darien Gap, but otherwise it's an uh, entire highway stretching across the whole two continents. Wow. Now I'm looking, I want to look at a picture of it right now. I need to see this because you could just drive down to Colombia. Yeah. I wonder how long that would take you. And there's a few people who like do that as a, it's sort of like the cannonball run thing Connor was talking about, like that they just do it as an endurance yeah. challenge in a car. Cause it, <laughs> it is hard to drive that much that, that, that is difficult to do physically. Yeah. I guess you would. I mean, I would need to, I'm a big peer, so I would need to <laughs> frequent stops, frequent stops, 
And also as you, as you have already, I've already told you, I love, I love a souvenir run. So that would yeah. take me about four years probably. <laughs> Just the increasing weight of the keychains, like you're, you're losing gas mileage. Yeah. <laughs> car gets stuck. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it now. That's really cool. Although it does feel like certain, I don't know how I would feel about just like driving through Mexico, you know, cause certain you look at like the, I was looking recently cause my friend's doing a, a wedding in Costa Rica. So I was just looking on the, oh, um, nice. the travel advisory and it's like Mexico. It's like this Tulum one. And, and like another city is like four. No, uh, don't go there uh. under any circumstance possible, you know, cause it's just like, it varies so much from city to city there. So I don't know how I feel about driving through. Hi, <laughs> I need directions. <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> I did. I read an account of someone doing the whole trip who is American and they pretended to be Canadian because they just huh. felt it would ease a lot of their interactions in a lot of places. Uh, <laughs> and they were probably right. It was a good idea. <laughs> how did they pretend to be Canadian? Oh, hello. Sorry. Yeah, I, I think I think literally like a Canadian flag keychain and other just little tchotchkes and like a little story. They were going to be like, I'm from Toronto or some, you know, basic. They got cover. the moose yeah. brand of a bumper guard instead of the badger. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or they're like speaking Spanish in a Canadian accent. Yeah. <laughs> Lo siento. <laughs> When, uh, and then this is part of the Interstate Highways episode because the U.S. chunk of this Pan-American Highway is just a set of our existing interstate highways. Uh, and you, the U.S. is the main country where you have like a few route options for the Pan-American Highway. It's mainly I-35, which is from Texas to Minnesota, or you can do a combination of interstates 25, 10, and 15 going through the Southwest and the Rockies. Uh, and there is Interstate 5 all the way up and down the West Coast. But yeah, when you look at a big map of the Pan-American Highway, it suddenly forks a bunch in the U.S. because we have a strong system, a lot of options. And it forks at the bottom, too. So where did you say that to the, the standard ending of it is? Oh, yeah. And then there's like Argentina is the, the true ending. And also some people end in Chile, depending on how they're doing it. Nice. But you can, you can go all the way down to I think it's just called Tierra del Fuego, like the very, very bottom of Argentina. It's like a speed oh, running wow. a video game. You can pick whether you're going to like beat all the bosses or just like go the fastest way. <laughs> and uh, next number here, this uh, kind of comes back to the U.S. centrally. This is more than 50 percent. More than 50 percent is how much of U.S. truck traffic happens on the interstate highways. Uh, Car and Driver says that the official interstate highways are only 2.5 percent of the road miles in the United States but they carry a quarter of traffic and more than half of truck traffic. Oh, wow. Hmm. So truckers, they spend most of their time just on those interstates and then pop on and off when necessary. Yeah, that's a job. That's a, a trucker. What a nuts job that would be. You know, you're sitting there for so long. I mean, you would really learn, you would really learn the road. Yeah. But I don't know if I could do it. I'm I'm thinking of an experience I had in Iowa. My mom lives in Iowa, and we were out getting breakfast, and we saw a guy who apparently drives for Walmart, but he had a jacket that said, like, more than 2 million safe miles Nice as Ooh. a trucker, which is, That's... you know, a lot. Uh, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I'm not a great driver, to be honest, but I have I have not had 2 million safe miles, and I'm not a trucker. I wonder if that's an official thing that they give you or if like you know, self-reporting that type of thing it would to get like 199k and then be like, <laughs> like the days yeah. without an accident sign at a job site. Yeah. Wow. Oh, the pressure. So close. I get all of my trucking knowledge just from the movie Over the Top. That's that's pretty much what I base everything on. That <laughs> truck drivers are all in custody battles and they are also training for the uh, arm wrestling world championships as well, where you win a truck if you win it. So. Okay. Oh, I haven't seen haven't seen it. It's, Sounds like a good one. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Good is a yeah. It, it's it's great, but it's you know it's it was it was snubbed at the Oscars. I think the year that it came out. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Is that is that movie different from the one where it's Clint Eastwood and a primate driving a truck? Yes, over the top was lacking lacking in primates, but um, okay. <laughs> yeah, that cool. was every which way but loose. I think over the top is, is Stallone. <laughs> It's it's a great what if in a wow. what if there was a primate in this movie, but sadly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
When the next next number here, this is again the number four. Uh, this time four is the number of U.S. state capitals that are not served by an interstate highway. Ooh, let's see if we can guess them. Yeah, yeah. Um, it would be fun if you like to. Yeah, there are four, which is way more than ooh. I would have expected. Uh, Des Moines. That feels like they probably have one. They have one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, what about uh, Concord, New Hampshire? Surprisingly, no. Damn Ooh. it. Albany? Albany's on one. Yeah, we haven't got any yet. Yeah. Are you looking at the map? You're looking. I'm just trying to think of state capitals. What about Helena? <laughs> Helena has an interstate. God, this is surprisingly hard. I, I would not have. I think I would have guessed one of these. Uh, because one of them is Juneau, Alaska, and that's kind of on an island and stuff. Uh, so that one makes a lot yeah. of sense. <laughs> uh, Springfield, yeah. Illinois? No, Springfield has one. Oh, all right. Well, <laughs> mm. we're getting close. It's I can't ju- think of any more capitals. Uh, Baltimore. <laughs> no, I know one starts tricky. in that one. <laughs> yeah. no, Annapolis, is that on one? It has one. I'll, I'll, I'll give us the other three. The, so it's Juneau, Alaska, and then it's Dover, Delaware. Hmm turns out and then jefferson city missouri and pierre south dakota pierre south dakota i did not know that that was the capital man when did i learn these fifth grade i guess it's like <laughs> i feel like i would have remembered that south dakota's capital is french for some reason and it seems it seems like a um xenophobic state to begin with to have a french capital yeah i don't know <laughs> the story behind that one no offense it's, oh yeah yeah I am. I'm now imagining Pierre, South Dakota, as like this thriving, glory days of French culture, art city. Yeah, like, like Montreal. <laughs> Bonjour. There's accordion music playing as the Sturgis guys roll through. Very, very romantic. Well, and uh, and yeah, and that's of this taping. I or as of this taping, I double checked on Google Maps. Uh, they're they're served by like state routes and local roads, but. The system just happens to pass them because it can. There's no rule that says a capital has to have one. Uh, and my favorite is Jefferson City, Missouri, because Interstate 70, like, just misses it. It goes through Columbia, Missouri. It's it's almost got an interstate, but it just gets skipped over. Wow. Yeah. And isn't that the tale of most many stories that uh, cities that, like, the interstate bypass is that they, they died, sort of like... You know, the towns along Route 66, but they did that to the capital. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what happened. Yeah. Because these capitals Amazing. were all picked already, uh, ex- maybe except for Juneau, Alaska. But either way, like, yeah, whoever did the system said these other cities are more important. Don't awesome. worry about it. Wow. Yeah. And last number here, this is about a state highway, but last number is 85 miles per hour, which is over 136 kilometers per hour. That's the highest posted speed limit in the U.S. It's on Texas Ooh. State Highway 130. Oh, my God. I have been on that highway. And I was driving after oh. I was like 19 years old driving on that highway after um, a death in my family. It was a funeral oh, and okay. I had to like drive the car. It's OK. It was fully half of my life ago, but it, I had to drive an elderly family member's car after the funeral and I because she was tired and I just remember being like, I think I was actually 19, but I had only driven for like two years. And I just remember being like, this is, I am absolutely terrified that semi trucks are whizzing by me. And it was just so scary. And I remember I, at the time I did not know that it was like the highest speed (laughs) The highest speed in the country. But now that I think of it, I'm like, that's why it was so scary. I mean, sure. it was just terrifying. That's such a combo. Like, like all that grief and simply being 19. And like, oh, just everything. <laughs> everything. Not okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yet another Was reason. the relative with you? Yes. She was, she was there. Oh. She made me, she made me switch driving with her. Oh, is it, which one did you say it was? So is it's. It, Texas State Highway 130. It's not an interstate. It goes from Greater Austin to Greater San Antonio, and it's it's parallel mostly to um, another interstate there too. That's why you need a primate sidekick for reassurance at all times. <laughs> Driving on these big absolutely freeways. bring him to the funeral. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lands well, and this like this difference in speed is a very tiny degree of difference because. The the highest posted is 85, but it turns out there's a bunch of interstates where you can go up to 80. 
a bunch of lanes and people really pushing the same speed. Yeah. And you know what's crazy? Because like when you are on the highway, people are going 80, but some people are going 100. So people are going between yep. 80 and 90. And so you're just like, hey. Well, it was a big deal in the 90s when, when Montana said they weren't going to do speed limits. Do you remember that? Oh, no, I don't. That's they were wild. like, just, just, you know, just be cool, everybody. <laughs> like, we're, we're, all, we're getting rid of this statewide. It was like national news, you know, um, like the late night monologues and everything we're talking about it. But I, I think they rolled that back, but it was sort of just a yeah. uh, highway speed honor system for some point in time. That's, that's absolutely nuts, because <laughs> even when you're driving, even when you're driving in New York and the highway is 50 here. The, the speed limit is 50 <laughs> on the highway here, and you will still see people gunning it at 90, like Big weaving time. in and out of traffic. And, you know, it's just like, hey, you know, you know what you're doing, so good for you. But guess what? I don't. So you cut me off. It's going to be a problem because I can't drive and I'm in a rental. So <gasps> it's one of those things where if I was ever driving that fast and weaving like that, I'd be like, well, it's just a matter of seconds before I get pulled over. Cause clearly this is like the most illegal thing you could so visibly do, but it never seems to happen to those people. They're just like doing it and having a blast. Yeah. Stuff like that happens. And you're like, we are not the same. We are, we, there's, <laughs> you want to think like people are basically good. And then stuff like that happens. and You're like, something's wrong. Something's wrong with <laughs> our species. Yeah, it's I feel like that mindset really varies by like which type of vehicle people have. Like sometimes I've seen people doing the speeding and the weaving in like a sports car kind of car. And I, I feel like they feel like they purchased the right to do that. You know, they're like, oh, I bought the ultimate driving machine. So therefore I can I can do this thing. You guys in the boxes, you know, forget it. <laughs> yeah. Don't mind me and my little station wagon heading out to Costco. <laughs> Off of that, we are going to a short break, followed by a whole new takeaway. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! It's hard to explain what happens on Jordan Jesse Go. So, I had my kids do it. Saying swear words. Saying swear words. Yeah, um, bad jokes. Bad jokes? Bad jokes. Maybe it's like you tell people that you're going to interview them, and then you just stay there like, like really quiet. And try and creep them out. <laughs> it's just really boring. Because of Jordan, right? Not me. Because of both of you. Oh. Subscribe to Jordan Jesse Go, a comedy show for grown-ups. And uh, and with the rest of this main episode, there's just two big takeaways, and I think we can get into them. First one is takeaway number one. The initial forerunner of U.S. interstate highways was a British military road partially planned by George Washington. Hmm. The very first like federal road in the US, it uh, followed the path of a road the British built and specifically like British army officer George Washington had a hand in it. That's pretty cool. I, I love to think about him with his marble teeth just <laughs> planning away. <laughs> or crossing it in Delaware and being like, you will not have a freeway that goes by your capital. I do declare <laughs> as <Yeah>. George Washington. <laughs> I know you guys are trying to suck up by being the first state, but not good enough. You don't get one. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> Again, like I think that the when you think about what the roads would have been like then and just how like horrible and impassable and how long it would have taken you to go anywhere <laughs> To, uh... Oh, yeah. That was back when they had the corduroy roads where they were. it was just like logs split in half. 
Yeah. My God. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Just like there's a pothole, throw some bones in it or something. I don't know, like, you know, how we're going <laughs> to fix this, but like, and, and who's yeah. even responsible for this as we go? Um, it just, uh, it would just be such a nightmare to exist <laughs> anytime before yeah. I was born. Yeah. Those, those days were rough. Katie, you mentioned corduroy roads. I had, I had never heard of those until researching this. How did you, have you like seen one of those or how'd you hear of those? I learned it when I was in fourth grade at my school and when we were doing Indiana year, that was our year. (laughs) Oh, we did Illinois state history stuff. Yeah. When have I thought of corduroy roads in the past 25 years? Never, but I'm really glad I got (laughs) to use it today. Yeah, and and for people who don't know, a corduroy road, it was an early way of building U.S. roads where they would lay out split logs. And because it had sort of a bumping pattern like corduroy fabric, that's what they called them. And yeah, yeah, before asphalt, a lot of roads were like that. It was like, hey, we did a road. And then when you're on it, it's just bump, 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 bump for however long. (laughs) Yeah. One thing I love when you're driving and going on road trips, especially when you go from, I guess it's like Indiana East. I don't know if it's necessarily on the highway, but when you're going on road trips and then you see as you're driving down the highway, these gorgeous like rock walls that you're just driving past. It's these gorgeous like cliffs and you can see the, the stone over years and years. And you're like, oh, this has been just fully dynamited away. They must have gone to huge effort to just blast this road that's like 10 miles of or 10 feet of rock we're sitting on top of this. I just love that. I love thinking about, you know, we we do take it so for granted, but the sheer amount of effort that's put into just like having a little smooth drive. Or a tunnel, pretty... you know, like just <laughs> one Tunnels, tunnel. What exactly. that would take. If I if they put me in charge of yeah. that, it would just be like, uh. <laughs> and I'd be like, I live in this tunnel now. This tunnel is my home. Right. And yeah, tunnels especially. And yeah. they're so they're so perfectly shaped too. It's like, what how do we get in that? Who knows? <laughs> I would definitely be the engineer who's like do people need to go to Asheville, North Carolina? It's nice, but like, you know, why don't we just stay home? <laughs> and I'd be wrong. Asheville's amazing. But uh, yeah. <laughs> when, uh, and this first uh, like federal road in the U.S., it was approved in 1806. So very early on, President Thomas Jefferson, the third president. Um, before 1806, there had never been a U.S. government, like federally authorized road. And they authorized what was called the Cumberland Road, later known as the National Road. It went from Cumberland, Maryland to Vandalia, Illinois. So through states like Indiana, like like uh, following that way. And yeah. according to the National Park Service, this road followed the path of a military road laid out by the British colonial military. Because in 1755, General Edward Braddock tried to attack French colonists and native people in the Ohio River Valley. And so to support that, they like laid out a military road and sent the troops down that. So when they dedicated it, I wonder, like, since there was nothing else to do, because it was 1803 or whatever, did people go and be like, come on, there's a road, we got to go drive on it now. Oh, like when, like when they first, when they started the DC Metro, my dad was like, they cut the ribbon on the Metro. And I was like, I, I, I'll just go take a ride. I mean, it was something to do. So yeah. be rude not to use it. I mean, right. It's like when people just watch trains go through or go to the airport and watch planes take off yeah. like transit. Can you believe it? <laughs> Amazing. There is a Cumberland, Indiana. So I wonder maybe if the road went through that town, I think it's like a suburb of Indianapolis. Oh, almost definitely. There's a Cumberland, Maryland, too. I, I was telling everybody last time we drove by it, or I guess it was just my wife, that, that we were going to go through the Cumberland Gap because there's like, you know, all these folk songs about it. And then she looked it up and was like, well, this is not. No, that was in Kentucky. That's we're quite yeah. far away from there. <laughs> yes, it's a common yeah. name. So I, I got I was super curious because, yeah, I was confused by Cumberland, Maryland is separate from the Cumberland Pass in the mountains. And they're all named after King George II's son who was the Duke of Cumberland uh, and like crushed a Scottish rebellion in the 1740s. If people have seen Outlander, he's the English guy who won the battle that the Scottish guys are all sad about. So like Cumberland stuff in the U.S. is named after him, but also probably connected to these projects. Cool. That's interesting. It sounds like cucumber, a cumber, (laughs) like a weird (laughs) name, like someone who's being cool about pickles. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a very random word to be 
stamped all over North America. Yeah. And uh, and then this this military road happens and that campaign happens. And this was part of a conflict called the Seven Years War that when when I was in grade school was called the French and Indian War. But yeah. um, one of uh, the English General Braddock's volunteer officers was a Virginian surveyor named George Washington. And the Library of Congress says Washington personally mapped and outlined a lot of the French positions for the campaign, like and did a lot of the map making, decision making that contributed to this road that the British built to fight the French. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Because it was 20 years before the revolution. So he was just like a very, very wealthy slave owner who wanted to help the British army. Yeah. Just make a few roads. I love it. He could really do anything back in the day. Yeah. (laughs) Own a few slaves, make a few roads, get marble teeth, be president. (laughs) Is that how he made his name? Or is is that like his Harrison Ford being in Apocalypse Now kind of thing? Like before he was famous? His breakout role, yes. <laughs> road planner. <laughs> kind of, yeah. We I, long ago did an episode about the color blue, and apparently he wore, like, when the when the Continental Congress was meeting and thinking about a revolution, Washington showed up in military gear to a meeting, and that was part of his pitch for like, I could lead the army was to like show up to a legislative meeting in military wow. gear, and he was referencing oh. gigs like this. He was like, "See, I." knew that guy and we're fighting them so i'd be great he wore blue and he was tall we've always been dumb (laughs) yeah i I find that annoying i find that annoying that's what turns me against him even though he owns slaves i'm like blue but you don't nobody likes that person that shows up like hey hey who could be president it's like just leave gary no one wants you here we're just trying to have a nice evening at the diner you know it's like it's my birthday like just get over yourself with your blue (laughs) I hope I hope people who misremembered his name called him Gary. That feels authentic <laughs> to me. It starts with it G. Be, like, yeah, Gary. Awesome Gary. to forget George Washington's name in that era. <laughs> Gary Washington. Uh, uh, it's George. Sure, Gary, Jordy, whatever. It's fine. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When one other takeaway for the main episode here. Takeaway number two. U.S. interstate road construction got slowed down by James Madison and World War II. Hmm. We just talked about a road Thomas Jefferson and George Washington worked on, and then the bonus, we'll get into more Eisenhower stuff. But there were decades and decades where the U.S. did not really do a lot of highway building as a federal government. And there's a couple surprising reasons. And the, and the first one is the next president after Jefferson, James Madison, the fourth U.S. president, In 1817, the U.S. Congress said, hey, we passed a new bill. It's for like a bunch more infrastructure across the country because that one road was really great. And Madison vetoed it. And in his veto statement, he said that federal road building was unconstitutional. So that's why he was vetoing it. Hmm. Oh, my God. It got Roe v. Waded. It got. Yeah, kind of. (laughs) Yeah. He didn't even let it get to the Supreme Court. He was like, they'll never be okay with this, guys. Like, forget it. We, we got to stop here. Yeah. He's like, it wasn't the founding father's intent. How do I know? Because I'm one of them. True. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess it was, they had such an emphasis on stuff being privatized, right, in those days. And that's why they, probably why they were like, no, we don't want public libraries. We don't, very Republican of them. So, And the states were just like different entities, right, too. They were like, you know, they were still sort of like, we're, we're more yeah. of our own thing than we are. Like this, you know, in case this whole nation thing doesn't really work out and the jury's still yeah. out on that. But like. Um, states rights. <laughs> It's a it's yeah. a miracle people got anything done back then when they were all just like dying at 40 from diphtheria. So it's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, it, it it specifically it was a state's rights thing. It was that Madison felt that the Constitution did not specifically have the like specific words in it that the federal government can build roads. And so he said that power for roads and canals belonged to the states. And that it was federal overreach to, like, dictate which roads would go between which states and across the country. Brother. You're like, roads, but then you're like, and canals. Let us have canals (laughs) in between the states. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And he, the University of Virginia Miller Center, they have the whole text of his veto. 
He says that like the interstate commerce power of Congress doesn't apply to this. He also says that the federal government, uh, according to the Constitution, should, quote, provide for the common defense and general welfare, end quote. But Madison claimed that roads were not part of common defense or general welfare. And then in the future, we would build the interstate highway system, which is like explicitly for our general good and for the military. Like we've fully flipped and changed this like Madison viewpoint of it. It probably all started when he wanted to like vacation in Maine for the summer and there was no easy way to get there. And then it was like, you know what? Uh, this isn't the national interest and uh, is no longer a state's rights issue. Yeah. <laughs> also, I worked for the Miller Center one summer. I don't remember what I did, but hey. like, that was a uh, yeah, that was a, uh, a name I had not heard in many, a, many a year. Look at you being a Virginian. Yeah. I love it. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've only read their online stuff. It's really good. It's a bunch of resources about presidents, and it's great. Mm. Yeah, it'd be great if I had spent that summer just like vandalizing texts about uh, about James Madison, and then one one got cited just now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like Wikipedia vandalism. Uh, <laughs> I'm, re I'm like reading the page. I'm like, and then James Madison said. Connor rules. That's weird. <laughs> Apparently his brother drools as well. The president said, I don't know. It's uh, my understanding. But uh, so Madison claimed this and then, you know, other presidents would change their mind, especially, especially Eisenhower. But, you know, eventually the U.S. gets interested in this kind of project in particular because uh, in the 1910s, a few states, especially Wisconsin, started doing extensive freeway building within their states and codifying the how the roads needed to be uh, in a way that we now do with the interstate system. And according to The 99% Invisible City, which is a book by Kurt Kolstad and Roman Mars from the podcast 99% Invisible, it's all amazing. Uh, they say that a few U.S. states did that, and that kind of pressured the federal government to get going. They were like, oh, well, if all the states start doing it individually, I guess we should like knit this together. Yeah, get on the bandwagon. Yeah. I think that the main thing about the, the that is a remarkable about the whole interstate system is that like the states have managed to agree on like a toll transponder. Right. You know, like Georgia, I read, just joined like the easy pass system. And it is like, it, <laughs> if you had asked me to bet like all the money in my life, like whether they would ever agree to something like that, it'd be like, no, there's just going to be like 18 different ones you have to switch out as you're driving down 95. And the fact that it exists is like a tribute to something, you know, just to, to not screw up one thing out of a hundred. Look at us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when, uh, and then as, uh, as states did this in the 1910s, uh, federal government starts to get going, and then the next next big obstacle is World War II. So a lot of what became the Highway Act in 1956, they laid groundwork for it in the 30s and 40s, but we were just spending so much fighting World War II. There was not so much money to like execute and build interstate highway stuff here. And so once they once when Eisenhower got out of World War II, did he realize that like like you said before, the defense was what sort of needed to to make it all happen in terms of like being prepared for the next time that needed to you needed to get you know military supplies from one place to another. Yeah, there's sort of a, a myth about the system. Some people believe it was exclusively for defense, and then we accidentally got the benefits of all the cities in the U.S. being connected. But the, hmm. there were really the two goals at once, all at once. They said, like, hmm. there'll be big commercial economic benefits of this, and also, yeah, we need our troops to be able to crisscross the country for, like— you know, if the, somebody ever tries to invade the United States, they'll they might succeed if all our guys are stuck on the wrong side of the mountains. You know, like that would be tough. Yeah, yeah, they're on the other side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, then in between, like this actual interstate system and the the early versions of it, there were also private organizations that tried to build national highways. And Colstead mm. and Mars's yeah, that book, makes sense. Cloverleaf, yeah. like Roger Rabbit. Oh. <laughs> That was the goal, right? They were going to build just a toll road. <laughs> the the big, big first effort was called the Lincoln Highway. There were other ones called like the Evergreen Highway. And then this whole era of like states building things and companies building things, probably the most famous product of it is Route 66, which uh, Route 66 is famous, but it's, it's not part of the interstate highway system anymore. It's different parts have been absorbed by different routes and changed over. But according to National Geographic, there was an Oklahoma State Highway Commissioner named Cyrus Avery, and his dream was to build a highway that would connect the Pacific to the eastern U.S. and also specifically incorporate his home city of Tulsa, Oklahoma. 
those were his two goals were like <laughs> national highway tulsa's on it and he succeeded in 1926 a meeting in missouri of several commissioners of state highways agreed to build route 66 and it wow. goes from chicago to la and then there were just existing roads from the east coast to chicago and it became just a whole cultural symbol like there's songs about it historical places on it it's a whole thing is that the one that you took when you said you and your girlfriend, you went from Chicago to L.A.? Oh, yeah. Alex, I think you said, is that the road you took? It was actually, it was right after college. It was me and my brother, actually. But it, yeah, we... Oh, we, excuse me. Uh, but that's it's not the key thing. Yeah, it, uh, in hindsight, I think we took the modern interstates, but it basically followed that route. Like, we went through Tulsa, uh, Oklahoma City, and like a lot of the places that are on it, partly because this guy loved Oklahoma. So, yeah, mm. I, I kind of followed that in life. It is sort of like when the coach's son gets to pitch on the little league team type of thing. Just like, you know, and I want this here. Is that efficient? No. Does it make sense? No. However, you want to build your own route? Go ahead. I saw the beginning of it in December. We were in Chicago and I saw like wherever that is marked sort of in like that, the main downtown area is like the beginning of route 66. Yeah. And my uh, in-laws drove it like my, my father-in-law just like, you know, likes the kitsch and the you know, romance of that. So they drove it a couple years ago, probably 2019. And uh, I, I just remember they went through the town of Winslow, Arizona, where they have like a statue to mark the the mention in the Eagles song. So, yes, my parents also went there and they it is a baby boomer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> landmark. They love they were like, you will not believe where we went standing on the corner in Winslow. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> they got shirts. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so it's a, it's a shame that, you know, a lot of those towns have been, you know, decimated by the interstate system and that 66 is no more. Then again, you do have a statue commemorating an Eagles song. So, yes, you know, yes. It's not all it bad. It is immortal. <laughs> it is immortal as long as you're over 45. <laughs> That is the main episode for this week. My thanks to Katie Hannigan and Connor Lestoka for having driving experiences, especially Midwestern ones. That really endears me to people. I don't know. I, I know that like Chicago to Indianapolis route, especially. We have probably all been on it a lot. So that's great. Speaking of Indianapolis, shout out Kurt Vonnegut Museum and Library. Anyway, I said that's the main episode because there is more secretly incredibly fascinating stuff. Available to you right now. If you support this show on Patreon.com. Patrons get a bonus show every week where we explore one obviously incredibly fascinating story related to the main episode. This week's bonus topic is Dwight D. Eisenhower and his super messy military road trip. Visit SIFpod.fun for that bonus show for a library of more than eight dozen other bonus shows and to back this entire podcast operation. And thank you for exploring the interstate highway system with us. Here's one more run through the big takeaways. Takeaway number one, the initial forerunner of U.S. interstate highways was a British military campaign road, partially planned by George Washington. Takeaway number two, U.S. interstate road construction got slowed down by James Madison, World War II, and kooky private and state enterprises. Plus a humongous numbers section this week. That was most of the show, and that's partly because the system is numbered, partly because it's measurable. There's also a bunch of maps and fun stuff over at sifpod.fun. Enjoy the numbers. Those are the takeaways and number stuff and more. Also, please follow my guests. They're great. Katie Hannigan co-hosts the podcast Lady Journey. Just search Lady Journey. You'll find it. That's with fellow comedian Sarah Tolomach. She also has a new stand-up album entitled Feeling of Emptiness. And on the socials, she is at Katie Hannigan on Twitter and at Katie Hannigan Forever on Instagram. Connor Lestoka is a writer and producer for Riff Tracks, the incredibly funny movie riffing thing that I hope you're familiar with. It's a huge comedy thing. Also, they are live in theaters Thursday, August 18th with The Return of Swamp Thing. So that sounds pretty good. The Swamp Thing's back, too. 
Connor also co-hosts the podcast 372 Pages We'll Never Get Back. That's with Michael J. Nelson. If you search 372 Pages, you'll probably find it. And then Connor's newest of many comic novels is titled The Pole Vault Championship of the Entire Universe. Many research sources this week. Here are some key ones. There's lots of U.S. presidential reference material this week. Some of that's from the Library of Congress. Other of it is from the Miller Center at the University of Virginia. Also got info from Popular Mechanics, the organization Greater Greater Washington, and the YouTuber CGP Gray for info on interstate numbering and layouts. Also leaned on Car and Driver, Time Magazine, the University of Central Florida. Find those and many more sources in this episode's links at sifpod.fun. And beyond all that, our theme music is Unbroken Unshaven by the Budos Band. By the way, if you've seen the new FX TV show, The Bear, great show. And also it has a lot of Budos Band on the soundtrack. So not this song, but other songs will pop up and you'll just be happy about it. Our show logo is by artist Burton Durand. Special thanks to Chris Souza for audio mastering on this episode. Extra, extra special thanks go to our patrons. I hope you love this week's bonus show. And thank you to all our listeners. I'm thrilled to say we will be back next week with more Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. So how about that? Talk to you then.